Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Well, we've got another accuser in the Roy Moore situation. Listen. Oh, I, I was hoping that there would be a war or something today so we could avoid this subject. Uh, welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I guess it would help if I got into the call screening program here. Here's the thing with this Roy Moore situation. Are we to believe Juanita Broderick and Paula Jones... In Kathleen Wiley. Are we to believe them? Are we to believe that they were assaulted or harassed by Bill Clinton? Well, if you say yes, how can you be dismissive of Roy Moore's accusers? And that's ultimately, I think, one of the questions that has to be asked here is, is it just tribalism? Well, they're accusing the other side, so we have to believe them, but... These ladies, they're accusing someone on our side, so we have to dismiss them. I mean, how do you how do you want to how do you want to do this? See, this is the problem is a, a lack of intellectual honesty in dealing with this. Listen, Roy Moore is innocent until proven guilty, but the voters of Alabama are going to be the jury of his peers, and they're going to have to make a judgment call. And I think one of the most damning things in this entire situation is that we now have four women. The latest has a note from him in her yearbook, and the signature is a pretty consistent match for his signature as Chief Justice. And they all kind of fit the same profile. Reddish hair, same age. Um, they, they didn't know each other, but and that that's a little bit troubling. Now, is it a partisan hit job? Let's deal with this first. Is it a partisan hit? Yeah, absolutely, it's a partisan hit job. And you are a foolish or willfully ignorant if you don't believe this is a partisan hit job. It is a partisan hit job, and I suspect it came from Republicans, not from Democrats. Mitch McConnell does not want Roy Moore in the Senate, and that perhaps is the best argument for Roy Moore, and the one Roy Moore should be beating and hiring a plane and a skywriter and riding it in the sky across Alabama. Mitch McConnell does not want me there an argument for him and he needs to get his wife on the campaign trail if he didn't do it if he's going to defend himself if he's going to deny it he needs to get his wife out there but the voters of Alabama are going to have to make a decision they're going to have to make a judgment they're going to be the jury and the partisanship ultimately I think is a 
lesser issue than is it true? Did Roy Moore inappropriately behave around teenage girls when he was in his 30s? There are now two who say yes. There are two others of roughly the same age who he dated, um, one of them with the with the blessing of the parents. And I got to tell you, a, a friend of mine who is a Moore supporter, who is considering walking back his endorsement, said that that's the worst part in his mind, is that forget the, forget that, oh, this was the 1970s, things were different then. You have a, a teenager whose parents are blessing the relationship so that Roy's going into this knowing it's a teenager. This is a problem for the Republicans. Are, are we held to a different standard than the Democrats? You betcha we are. Of course we're held to a different standard. But what Republicans are arguing now is that there should be no standard. And that's a problem. Because you chant Hillary Clinton and you chant to her to lock her up, even though she's innocent until proven guilty. But with Roy Moore, well, he's innocent until proven guilty. We, we, we can't hold this against him. Why are you holding it against Hillary Clinton? You want to believe Kathleen Wiley, you want to believe Paula Jones, you want to believe Juanita Broderick, but you don't want to believe these. See, this puts conservatives in an odd box because then it really does just become tribalism. And, and truth again, and th this is all the, the devil's way here, to rock the boat on what is true, to get everybody to be Pontius Pilate. What is truth? Well, the truth is that there is a disturbing pattern of behavior. The Moore campaign hasn't done a very good job of defending itself. The voters in Alabama are going to have to decide. And if it is true, if it is true, if, though, if, it's far better for a Democrat than a child molester to be in the United States Senate. And those of you like David Horowitz who are out there saying, well, I believe it's true, but I'd still rather him than a Democrat. Well, one day we'll all be called before the Almighty's throne and called to account. And while we, we may get there by faith alone, apologies to my Catholic friends, we will be judged by our works and what you've done on this planet. And I don't want to say to the Lord, well, I didn't like his politics, so I voted for the kid toucher. That would be a problem. Y'all, listen, I know there are some of you mad at me, and I've heard from a lot of you that you're, you're angry with me for not defending Roy Moore. He's got to come out and defend himself. He's got to be the way he needs to get his wife out there more than he needs to defend himself. He needs his wife to defend him. If he says this stuff is untrue, and unfortunately, he's largely admitting he dated the teenagers. And in private, I'm told, some of the people who have walked away from him quickly, he has told them that, yes, he, he did date teenagers when he was in his 30s, and that creeped them out. And I don't blame them. It would creep me. Y'all, I have a 12-year-old. Thankfully, younger than any of the women involved. But if she is 16 years old, well, 13, 14, 56, okay. So I'll be 46 when she is 16. If a 30-year-old man shows interest in my 16-year-old daughter, I am going to put out an all-call on this radio program for someone to break that man's kneecaps and bury him in Quick Crete somewhere in the middle of the woods where no one can find the body. I'm just telling you right now. That is creepy as all get out, and it is inappropriate, and I don't care what decade you're talking about. Is there a partisan pile on? Yes. I wrote a piece this morning at the, at the resurgent that we need to be careful because are we piling on Roy Moore because we think it's true, or are we piling on him because 
we don't like him. And there are a lot of people who are using this as an excuse to pile on him because they didn't like him to begin with. And they're cheering this on. In fact, I, I would, I mean, I would not put it past Mitch McConnell to have come up with this story. But again, it doesn't mean it's not true. And the same thing with a lot of people who are willing to give the president a pass on his behavior with women. How can you champion women who have been abused by Democrats and ignore or attack the accusers on this side? Yes, it is a relevant detail that Senator Menendez is in a trial right now, and one of the allegations is that he had inappropriate relations with a 14-year-old who was prostituted, um, and that he did not know she was 14, but that doesn't matter because it's statutory. He is on trial. He is before a jury of his peers, and I see a lot of conservatives saying, y'all aren't spending any time on that. You're spending all the time on Roy Moore. Well, here's the thing. There is a jury of... Senator Menendez's peers right now, and they're apparently idiots because they don't even know what a senator is. They had to get a clarification from the judge on what a senator is. But he's before a jury of his peers. Right now, Roy Moore is before a jury of his peers, except this time it's called voters. And all sides are making the case to those voters as to what they should do. And unfortunately, in Roy Moore's situation, he's not making a very good case for himself. He needs to get out there and he needs to go on offense. He doesn't need to attack the accusers. He doesn't. But he needs to go on offense to this as a partisan attack. That is not true. He is sorry for the women. Whatever happened that caused them to believe this, it is not true. Clearly there's some emotional trauma there. But it's not true. And these are partisan attacks. And Mitch McConnell doesn't want me in the Senate. And I'm the guy who's going to go stand up to all sides. And that's why they're doing this. They are out to get me because they know what my victory means to them and their future. And y'all don't like them. So you need to stick with me. He needs to make that case. And he's not. And that's a problem for Roy Moore. Not for you. Not for me. It's for Roy Moore. That's a problem. And he needs to fix it. It is 25 after the hours. When we come back, uh, I, I don't know. I got to get into tax reform. I, I was on with Herman, filling in for Herman this morning. There wasn't time, really. There is news on that front, and I want to do that. But first, can I just say the Keurig, president of Keurig, you know, Keurig decided to take their ads off Hannity's TV show uh, because of his interview with Roy Moore, which I think was nonsense. He gave a fair interview. Yes, he gave Roy Moore the benefit of the doubt, as I would expect, um, but it was a fair interview with tough questions. And yet uh, liberals demanded that Keurig take their ads down, and the Keurig president is livid that someone in the company announced they were doing that when usually they just pause and review the situation. And Hannity listeners and, and fans have taken to posting videos on social media of busting up their Keurig machines or taking them back. One guy hitting it with a with a driver, a golf club. I have to tell you, I am appalled by you people and your coffee taste. Keurig is just crap coffee. It is it is gross. Now listen, I realize sometimes you need a quick cup of coffee, and quick means like immediate, and I get it. But if Keurig is your primary source of coffee, y'all, there are go get a real coffee pot that has a grinder built into it and get you some whole beans. It is a night and day difference. I have become a coffee snob, and I am not ashamed of it. I mean, seriously, 
if I got to deal with the Keurig, there's there's one up at RTS it, at Reform Theological. There's a Keurig machine there now, and if I got to deal with it for a cup of coffee, that's fine. But I know I'm I'm like getting the the bottom shelf version of coffee, like like bottom shelf liquor, the rot gut stuff that you use just because you got to get your alcohol fixed. This is you got to get your caffeine fixed. I'm just there's there's just so much better out there. There is. Trust me on this. I'm really appalled by the number of people who own these machines as their primary device for getting coffee. I am. I mean, go get caffeine gum. That's a better delivery of caffeine. I mean, now that I've insulted a lot of my listeners, you all should be ashamed if this is your primary source of caffeine and coffee. (laughs) So, yes, I have become such a coffee snob that I actually get my beans freshly roasted and then we have a coffee pot that grinds them right before making the it's fantastic it sounds like a jet engine taking off in the morning when it grinds the beans and then it's fantastic coffee it's a whole lot better than keurig and it'll save you money long term too by doing it that way instead of keurig Thirty-nine after the hour, Eric Erickson here. News ninety-five-five AM seven fifty WSB. Shameless self-promotion for a moment. Um, with Thanksgiving coming next week, my book, the last chapter, is a cookbook, and it has how to smoke a turkey, how to make the perfect easy Thanksgiving gravy, how to make breakfast in advance for all the family crashing at your house annoyingly, how to turn that turkey into gumbo the day after Thanksgiving or the night of Thanksgiving. It's all there. In the book, if you want it, get your copy. Before you wait, you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can text the word WAKE to 444-999. I'll send you links, uh, text you back links to order the book. Um, but all those good recipes and so many more are there, including pie recipes. I mean, the buttermilk pie recipe is, mm, and I can't eat it right now because I'm on this exercise, good eating nonsense routine that, ugh, anyway. A church in Malibu, California, has been told to stop feeding the homeless. Yeah. This is the government bureaucrats at work. This one, this is a United Methodist Church, so I I doubt it's liberals trying to stop the church. It's just government trying to stop the church. Um, Workers of the church say they have been serving up to 100 people. They've been serving meals on Wednesday since 2014. The food service has to come to an end, though, because the city is making them stop. Um, The city claims that they are increasing homelessness in the area. And, you know, I have to be honest with you. There are plenty of studies out there that have shown in the past that in areas where the homeless are fed regularly, there is an increase in homelessness. The question for all of these people is, you're going to have homelessness anyway. So should you not do something to deal with the homeless people? I mean, call me crazy, but it just seems like you should want them fed. Now, a lot of times the government also does run shelters and whatnot and wants to do it themselves. And I guess that's fine, but it just seems to me that it would be a no-brainer that you should let churches do it and use the donations within the church to do some good as opposed to city taxpayer dollars. But then this is California. And in California, things don't work the way they necessarily should work, do they? 
Ay, ay, ay. You know, one other quick story before we go to Doug Turnbull. And I just, I had these stories I wanted to, to knock them out today when I was filling in for Herman, but I couldn't get to all of them. And this one I got to, but only for like 30 seconds. There are millennials out there now. Millennials. People typically, they're in their 20s right now. And they're part of the child free movement, they're sterilizing themselves. Now, part of me is appalled by this, really am, and part of me thinks, you know what, if they want to do it, go for it. It's, I mean, if, if they want to prevent themselves from having kids, particularly if, if they're uh, ridiculous lunatics as they appear to be, I mean, spare the rest of us having uh, to take care of their kids one day for them because they're incapable. But man, the things that you, the, the big decisions you make in life in your 20s, and then you get into your 30s and your 40s, and you grow up and you're thinking, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. This strikes me as one of those things that, although some of these people, I wonder just how long they're going to be committed to this lifetime uh, with responsible decisions. And that I don't know the answer to. And I just, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's tragic, but I'm not going to stop crazy people from taking steps to keep us from dealing with having to bail out their kids because their crazy, irresponsible parents can't. But this all gets into the environmentalist movement as well. Some of them thinking that um, we're big polluters. And so the the sooner we get rid of people on the planet, the better off the planet will be. Um, The planet is here for us. We're not here for the people or we're not here for the planet. And some people just get it so upside down. Uh, This is liberalism as part mental illness. It really is. Uh, Okay, that felt better to finally make that point. Now, uh, I want to spend more time at the top of the hour on tax reform, but you should know that the uh, Joint Taxation Committee, uh, Joint Committee on Taxation, I guess the official name, it's Nonpartisan Committee on Capitol Hill, uh, and it's mostly wonky staffers. And according to them, with the Senate plan, Moderate income people would consistently see the largest percentage declines in their tax bills. In 2019, people in the middle of the income spectrum, earning between fifty and seventy thousand dollars, would see their taxes fall by seven point one percent. Those earning between twenty and thirty thousand would see a ten point four percent decline, uh, while millionaires would get a five point three percent tax cut. Uh, so everybody would get a tax cut, but the lower to middle income folks would get the biggest tax cut sounds like the Senate is more on the right side, but you know, the frustrating thing here is it seems like they really set up the house to lose that there, there was, um, gamesmanship between the chambers and Paul Ryan, to his credit, did work very hard to get buy-in from the Senate on their plan early. Uh, but I talked to a couple of senators who had no idea the house Republicans intended to scrap the abortion, ta- the abortion, the adoption tax credit. Thankfully they put the adoption tax credit back in, but still, the fact that they considered doing it in the first place, they should have known. And that leads to the question for this coming year. Do Republicans really have a clue about what's going on in the country? Do, do Republicans really have a clue about where they're headed? Because I'm not so sure they do when they're willing to do things like scrap the adoption tax credit. It really makes you wonder what what they're thinking is. I mean, what are they doing? Because there's other analysis of the Senate plan that looks really good for individuals, but there's a Senate analysis that suggests that it's going to be really bad for you. If you're an entrepreneur, if you own a small business, you're going to get hurt. 
And basically, big businesses are going to be helped. I think we need to help big business. But I certainly don't think we need to punish small businesses and entrepreneurs. It's going to be very interesting to see the direction the Senate goes with this. Oh, my. (laughs) Y'all, when did this happen? Oh, 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 this is people are recirculating a tweet from Donald Trump before he was president. Someone tweet. Who is this person? Um, oh, the account has been suspended. I have no idea. Someone tweeted Donald Trump. You date girls young enough to be your daughter. That's perverted. And he quoted the tweet and then said dated. No, that's talent. <laughs> There literally is a tweet for everything from Donald Trump. Oh, great googly moogly. Oh, my goodness. All right. To the phones we go. Chris, you're up first. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, I was just quick before we get into a little background of myself. I'm uh, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. I have been a lifelong conservative. I grew up missing the rush and Sean and all those guys in the car with my parents. Um, I'm self-employed. I work in construction. I uh, do small home renovations, and I'm a photographer. Um, and you got I, one minute. Yeah. So I just, uh, like, I, actually, one of the millennials, even though conservative, that wants to get um, sterilized, I don't want to have any children. Um, and the reason being, I look at my parents, like, growing up, and how tough it is to have kids, and I just not really willing to make all those sacrifices. I kind of want to focus on me for my life. Well, listen, as long as you, you recognize it. Now, let me ask you this. Do you go to church? Um, I grew up Christian, but I currently do not. Okay. All right. Because um, if you go to church, you, you know, Scripture is very clear that uh, God expects us to be fruitful and multiply. Um, if you're not a believer, um, I get it. Um, you know, it, at least you recognize it. All I would tell you, though is that things change. They, they really, particularly at your age, things change. The, the world changes. Uh, and if you're that young and you're making a decision that is going to permanently bar you from having kids in 10, 15 years, you get down the road and you meet someone and you, you want to have kids, well, then you're not going to be able to. So I would just caution all of you who want to go down that road. Hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can get the show notes by texting the word show to 444-999. We got to get into tax reform now because the Senate Republicans are attempting to change directions from the House Republicans, but the one consistent thing is Democratic rhetoric. Here is New York City's Communist Mayor Bill de Blasio. Nothing is more of a danger to us than the Trump tax plan. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa, stop. Nothing is more of a danger to us. Not North Korea. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, 
not a lone wolf terrorist. Nope, nothing is more dangerous to us than the Trump tax plan. Ponder that. And that's true all over the country. This plan could derail a lot of what does work in the American economy and could set back tens of millions of Americans. <laughs> I don't know that I would believe a communist about anything economic, but Kirsten Gillibrand, she's the New York senator who took Hillary Clinton's spot. She feels the same way. I've never seen a more blatant attempt at a corporate welfare bill than this bill. They are literally taking money out of the hands of families in the middle class and putting it into the hands of the wealthiest millionaires and billionaires in society today. And that's not actually true. You know, something I noticed this morning uh, when I was listening to these sound bites the first time is the Democratic talking point about tax cuts hasn't been updated since 1980 when Ronald Reagan ran for president. They've been saying the same thing, that this takes money out of the hands of the middle class and gives it to the rich, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that demonize it. And yet, uh, Steve Nuchin, who is the Treasury Secretary, makes a good point here about cutting taxes to stimulate economic growth. If we can create 3% or higher sustained economic growth, that's over $2.5 trillion of additional revenue to the government, $10 trillion of additional revenue to the economy, and that's what's critical to the American public. Yes, yes it is. Stimulating the economy. Folks, there is a great amount of wealth, American wealth, sitting overseas. Apple has literally billions of dollars, billions of dollars sitting in bank accounts in other countries that Apple has been open and honest about that it would love to get to the United States. It would love to bring that money home. Because it can't use that money right now domestically. And it, it is ready for big growth. and But it's got a responsibility to its shareholders. And that money is gaining interest and helping pay off other debts overseas. But it would love to bring that money home and invest it. But why it would be irresponsible for Apple to do that when the United States now has the highest corporate tax rate in the world? It's getting a better tax rate and better better deal for itself by leaving that money overseas than bringing it back here where it could be used inside the American economy because if it were to bring the money back to the United States, Apple would pay more than a third of its profits to the federal government. When it, the next highest tax rate, it would be a quarter of its profits. And so the U.S., the federal government, the Democrats and Republicans, Democrats privately, Republicans publicly want to lower it to 20%. And Apple's saying you lower it to 20 it's all coming home. Those tens and billions, billions with a B dollars, they're coming home if you'll just do this. It makes sense to do that and get that money here instead of leaving it in a bank account in some other country. makes a lot of sense. Whether or not they can get it passed is another issue. You know, there's another outrage out there right now from activist groups. Governor Scott Walker this evening has signed legislation making Wisconsin the 35th state without a minimum age for hunting. Y'all, there are liberals out there who think that it is awful that a 10-year-old can go with his dad 
and learn to hunt deer or turkey or squirrels or varmint. In Wisconsin right now, the legal age is you've got to be 12 to purchase a hunting license or to hunt with a gun. But until now, children as young as 10 could participate in a mentored hunt. So you could go down to 10. Well, now they've changed the law so that any child with his or her father can get a hunting license and go hunt. Deer, pheasant, grouse, rabbit, squirrel, dove, you name it. And the left is livid about this. They're livid. Why would you be livid about a kid being able to hunt with his dad? Because it's all about gun control to them. That's the issue here. It's all about gun control. You would think that people would recognize there are 35 states now. We have 50 states and 35 of them have no age restrictions on hunting. You would think that it would be a good thing. But, you know, there's a great quote from uh, White Tails Unlimited. Uh, Jeff Schnitkin, I don't want to mispronounce his name, uh, wants to buy his nine-year-old grandson a hunt license. And he says the season will come and go before people realize this, but the law change will put some extra people in the woods, and hopefully the people mentoring them will do their jobs and stay safe. I get it. It scares people that an eight-year-old or nine-year-old has a high-powered rifle in his hands. But it's been done in other states. It has been done in other states, and it teaches responsible gun ownership. But my goodness, people are enraged about you. So, you know, we're kind of in a uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with liberals and guns. They tell you you need to train up your children in how to be responsible gun owners. So you do that, and they're saying, well, you're too young. You're just, we didn't mean an 8-year-old. We, we meant a, 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 a 25-year-old. Teach your 25-year-old how to use a gun. I have an 8-year-old, and I have a 12-year-old, and they both know how to use a gun. They know how to load it. They know how to point it. They know how to aim it. They know how to pull the trigger. They know how to check to make sure there's not a bullet in it before they fire the gun. They know not to point it at people. We started our children on this last year when my son was seven and my daughter was 11 because they live in the South. And virtually everybody in the South seems to have a gun outside of Metro Atlanta. And they're going to be in houses that have guns. They're going to be at friends' houses that have guns. They're going to come in contact with guns. I want them to know how to use them. I want them to know how to be safe around them. I want them to know how to be responsible around them. Now, I've never hunted in my life. My buddy Jonathan keeps wanting me to go hunting with him, and I I need to go. I need to just go hunt. I need to kill a deer. I'm sure it would be a cathartic experience. But if my kid wants to go hunting, I want him to know how to use a gun. If my child wants to be safe, I want him to know how to be safe. And frankly, in this day and age in the United States, I I would feel safe getting my kids when they are old enough and responsible enough and at the age where they can legally carry to have a concealed carry permit and get a gun for them. I have bought a gun that I let my daughter use. It's just a 22 handgun so that she can go practice. She wants to be on the rifle team. I believe the younger you start your kids learning gun safety, 
the better off they will be in life. I mean, you got people who freak out with their kids. You hear these horror stories all the time. The mother who leaves the loaded pistol in her purse and the kid plays with it and, and shoots himself and dies or shoots someone else and they die. Teach your kids gun safety at the earliest possible age. Teach your kids what it is, that it's not a toy, that it can literally, literally kill you. Not literally where people use literally in the metaphorical sense, but literally actually you die. Teach your kids these things. Teach them to be responsible instead of bellyaching liberal nanny statism that says we don't want our kids near guns and we don't want guns near our kids because guns are bad. Well, guns are everywhere. Just like, you know, it, there are drugs all over the place. You teach your kids to avoid drugs, how bad they are, how they'll ruin their life. Guns are everywhere. Teach them responsible use. Unlike drugs, you don't want them using it, but responsible use of guns, how to stay safe around guns, how not to be lured in, how not to accidentally kill someone instead of belly aching about it. And by the way, we should want kids out in the woods with their fathers doing things instead of staring at screens in their house. I spent this weekend cooking. I made French onion chicken. Huh? Yeah. So I saw this recipe online and I kind of mostly liked it, except I, I like chicken breasts instead of chicken thighs more. And I wanted it baked in the oven um, more to ensure everything got finished. So I basically made French onion soup without a, a lot of the soupiness to it. Just a cu two cups of broth and reduced it down to a cup. Put the chicken on top of all the onions, covered it in cheese, and then baked it in the oven for about 15 minutes to let the cheese melt get bubbly and brown. Oh, my Lord, was it amazing. Served it with a slice of, of French bread that was buttered and had garlic on it. It was phenomenal. I also made baked potato soup for my wife, and I tried a barbecue beef boy recipe. Because being from Louisiana, I love barbecue beef po'boys. And you can't find a barbecue beef po'boy in Georgia. You just can't. And I have worked on a recipe that I grew up with as a kid, trying to match the flavor. I think I finally got it last night. I think I did. I, I put a version of it in, in my cookbook. Um, but last night, I think I got it and the baked potato soup. Two pounds of bacon and a pound of cheese. It was glorious. Thirty-nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. The phone number four zero four eight seven two zero seven five zero one eight hundred WSB Talk. Let's go to the phones. Felicia in Tucker, you are up next. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so very much for having me. I was listening to you on the way coming in from uh, work, and I just had to call you. It is so ironic to me that the exact same people who have allowed, for example, the state of Oregon to allow children at the age of 15 years old, that's a one and a five, to have sex changes without the parental consent via Medicaid, okay, via Medicaid. So you're so concerned about kids and their safety, but yet nobody is sending up the red flags about right. that? You know, I, I'm glad you said that because I I, I got in trouble with, with a bunch of liberals, uh, particularly liberal reporters on, on social media over the weekend because I said I am deeply concerned about the Roy Moore allegations. I find the women credible, but please spare me your yelling about the age of consent when you think a three-year-old can decide that he's a she. 
Exactly. And they were, they were, it's, it's, this, these are not the same thing. I, I think that they very much are the same thing. It, it, it's, you think a three-year-old can control his body enough to permanently destroy it, uh, but a 14-year-old, it, it's age of consent and whatnot. I, I think they're both equally appalling. And yes, I'm so glad you said that about the, the guns and stuff. We we can't have our kids playing with guns as an eight-year-old, but by God, if, if he decides to put on a dress and, and chop off certain body parts, let's raise him up as a hero. Well, Eric, let's take it one step further. I submit that you want to say the parent is not allowed to say, okay, that this is a good enough age for my child to go out with granddad or dad and go out and hunt. It's just too young. But the children, for example, that we're using in in an example here, they don't even have to have the parent's consent. Bobby can go out for school on Tuesday, have the sex change, and come back as Bobby's too, none would the parents be any wiser. So I submit that the problem is they need to get their houses in order, Mm -hmm. okay? We're talking about granddads and dads taking their grandsons and sons out, teaching them the rite of passage. That's what we do here in America, especially here in the South, okay? So that's what we're doing. We're not talking about anything illicit. We're saying, hey, let's do this where it's organized. The children understand how to respect the weapon. They know how to use it. They understand that it is a serious thing, and if you're training a child the correct way, then there's nowhere you can go wrong. So I thank you so much for taking my call tonight. I just had to say that. I I, I think you need a talk show. That was brilliant. Well, hey, let's work it out. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, thank you so much for saying that. I'll be your Robin Robin Quivers. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep me out of trouble. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling. Yes, what Felicia said, that preaches. Uh, yes. I mean, it, it, again, it, it is it, it, this progressivism is the ideology of the insane asylum. None of it makes sense. We're going to scream about a 14-year-old and age of consent, but we're going to get mad at people and call them bigots if they think a 3-year-old shouldn't be able to, to chop off his daddy bits and, and suddenly become a girl at the age of 3 or put him on, on drugs to prevent puberty or, or whatnot. Absolutely insane. There's a story out there today I saw that a, a kid as a teenager, they, they let him go through and and conform his gender to what he was. That's what they're calling it now. It's not changing. It's it's conforming to what you've always been and might not have known. Two years later, he's ready to go back. Decided, you know what? I really am a boy. Just, I mean, crazy talk. And yet we can't let a kid go into the woods with a rifle and his father and have some family bonding time, kill a deer, get some food for the family and learn safe skills of guns. It's just progressivism is a, I mean, the, the logic of an insane asylum. It is. There's now a report circulating from the New Yorker. Um, that, uh, by, oh, it's, it's from Charles. Very cool. Uh, he's interviewed me before lives here in Atlanta. Very cool. He went over to Gadsden, Alabama, where Roy is from and has, uh, folks in law enforcement and others saying that Roy Moore was, um, banned from the Gadsden mall in the late seventies for his treatment of, girls teen girls at the mall hey yeah yeah this story's not going to go away it looks like breitbart may be throwing him under the bus as well hmm my goodness okay so 
We'll move on to other things. It looks like that may be coming to an end. Well, and you don't, you don't now I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to say this. I know there are some of you, because I've heard from you, who say you're making it easy for the Democrats to win because the Democrats would stand by their man. What's so funny is that the Democrats say the same thing about us. That, oh, we would have we thrown this guy under the bus, but you guys, y'all stand by him, and it's disgusting. Republicans, I think, have a better argument. See Bill Clinton. But that's what you're saying, and I get it. Um, the, the Democrats would stand by their man, they would get him elected, and the media would forget all about it. And unless we keep standing by our man, uh, come what may, we're going to keep losing, and we're going to keep losing, and this country's going to go further left. And i got to tell you something. I'm not a Democrat. I'm, I'm not a Democrat, and I'm not a liberal, not a progressive, and I, I don't have to stand by any man. I don't have to stand by anyone. If I'm got concerns, if I'm disturbed, I, there's there's no reason for me to stand by someone. You know what? The country's going to hell in a handbasket anyway. I know you don't want to admit it, but uh, we're a bunch of sinners, and we're trying to send sinners to Washington to solve all these problems, and, and nothing's changed. I mean, for God's sakes, the Republicans control everything right now, and Donald Trump is president, and nothing has changed, and nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to change. We're on the, the, the slippery slope. Uh, Anthony Kennedy is the king. Whatever he decides is real. Anthony Kennedy is a social liberal, so social liberalism is going to be on the rise. God help the churches in this country and the Christian small businessmen. You can't even get the freaking Republicans in Georgia to pass religious liberty protection, and you're worried about sending one man to Washington, D.C., and we got to stick by him no matter what he did because the Democrats would. I'm going home to see a judge one day on a throne who's going to call me to account, and I'm not going to explain, well, I didn't like the Democrat, so I chose that guy. There's an op-ed in the New York Times over the weekend titled, Can My Children Be Friends with White People? It's written by a law professor at um, Benjamin Cardoza School of Law, Yeshiva University. And one of the things, let me just read you um, this. As against our gauzy national hopes, I will teach my boys around the age of four to have profound doubts that friendship with white people is possible. When they ask, I will teach my sons that their beautiful hue is a fault line. Spare me platitudes about how you're all the same on the inside. I first have to keep my boys safe, and so I will teach them before the world shows them this particular brand of rending, violent, often fatal betrayal. Think about someone writing that. Think about that. And this is a law professor, too. What do you think the the students think about going into this man's class knowing he doesn't think that that he can be friends with white people, that white people are somehow bad? Think about that for a minute. And, you know, I am continually struck by my friends that racism it's never going to go away, but it is mostly a generational problem on the wane in this country, thankfully. But it's people like that and white supremacists who try to keep it alive, and we've all got to overcome on both sides to move on in this country and heal.